Welcome to the Calvary St. George's Sermon Podcast, proclaiming the historic faith of Christ and Him crucified. These podcasts are recorded and produced by the Parish of Calvary St. George's in the city of New York. For more information about our ministries, head to calvarystgeorges.org. Well, today, St. Luke introduces us to an impossible scenario. Two women who cannot have children are pregnant. I think it's also important to note, and more on this in just a minute, this scene is filled with a tremendous amount of hope, not optimism. But you have two women. The first woman, Elizabeth, a woman old enough to be your grandmother, carrying in her womb John the Baptist, the last of the great Old Testament prophets. The second, Mary, a teenage virgin, who carries in her womb, by the power of the Holy Spirit, the second person of the Holy Trinity, Jesus Christ. An impossible situation, because grandmothers and virgins don't have babies. Yet, it's into this impossible situation that God teaches us a uniquely touching truth. As Christians, see, there's lots of stories out there about men becoming gods. But Christianity teaches that God has become man. And God has embraced the totality of our humanity from the womb to the tomb, from the embryo to the dying breath of a man on the cross. And God, here's what's going on. God uses and works in and through impossible situations for the purpose of reorienting and changing our perceptions. Think about it. Even today, the world's perception would look upon an unwed teenage mother and say, well, uh, that's not the place we're going to start to change the world. Do not let sentimentality and Venetian art dull you to the profundity of the scene. What does Mary bring to the table? Nothing. What do you bring to the table? Nothing. However, your perception, touched by the Holy Spirit, says that into the impossible situations of your life and says into the impossible situation here, this young virgin, Mary, is the Theotokos, the mother of God. And into this impossible situation, Elizabeth, the grandmother bearing a child, she can confess with hope, blessed are you amongst women and blessed is the fruit of your womb. This perception of God at work in the impossible also applies to your life. The world's perception of you maybe has been. The world's perception of you may say failure, fraud, useless, unnecessary, sinner. However, as impossible and hopeless as it may seem, God's perception of you is forgiven. 
God's perception of you is innocent, justified. God's perception of you says, no matter how impossible, no matter how hopeless, you are useful and you are loved and you are a saint already in Jesus Christ. And this is my first point. And it's very important as we go into Christmas. The gospel changes absolutely everything and makes the impossible not only plausible and hopelessness hopeful, but it transforms it all into a new reality right now. And you and I as Christians, whether you see it or not, we've heard it that we live in that new reality right now. This is important because it helps us understand the meaning of hope, which is one of the central themes of the season of Advent. Most people mistakenly, and I believed this for a long time as well, I would have never said it, but I did. Most people mistakenly believe hope to be a mixture of optimism and desperation, sprinkled with a little bit of wishful thinking. Now, there have been a number of psychological and theological studies which are defining hope correctly. You want to read an amazing definition of hope? Read Viktor Frankl's Man's Search for Meaning. Psychologist Bertram Mayle and Patricia Brunnick's define the distinction between hope and optimism this way. Let me read it to you. Hope is distinct from optimism by being an emotion representing more important but less likely outcomes and by affording less personal control. When people, and here's what makes it theological, because we like to think we're in control. They said, when people do have a high degree of control, they may no longer need to be just hopeful, but can be optimistic because the outcome is now attainable. You see, optimism is about control. Hope is about out of control. One of the best illustrations I've heard on the distinction between hope and optimism came from an article in The Atlantic back in September by Arthur C. Brooks entitled, aptly, The Distinction Between Hope and Optimism. Brooks was writing about how optimism is failing us in the pandemic because the pandemic just doesn't seem to end. I mean, two weeks ago, we thought maybe we're over the hump. And then yesterday, I thought the long line around the corner was to get into the Supreme store down in Soho. No, that was to get into one of those pop-up testing clinics. There's a joke going around, the hottest scene in New York is now the CVS. You know, I mean, you gotta like wait in line to get in. So, the, the bouncer's at the door. So anyway, but uh, you know, I mean, it just doesn't seem to end. Brooks in his article, shares this very powerful story about a Navy admiral named James Stockdale, and I know many of you know him. And Stockdale's observation of those who survived seven years in the atrocious and appalling conditions of a North Vietnamese prisoner of war camp versus those who didn't survive. And Admiral Stockdale said those who didn't survive tended to be the most optimistic of the group. They were the ones who said, we're going to be out by Christmas. 
and Christmas would come, and Christmas would go, and Easter would come, and Easter would go, and Thanksgiving would come, and Thanksgiving would go, and they'd be back at Christmas. And they died, Stockdale said, of a broken heart. He said, the heart broke under the realization that they actually were not ultimately in control at all. However, those who did survive recognized that nothing in the moment was in their control. It was impossible. They had nothing to be optimistic about, but they had hope. As impossible as it seemed, dead or alive, they had hope that they would return home someday. And this is my second point. We have endless ways to fool ourselves with optimism. Especially when we are trying to convince ourselves that we still have some sort of control in the situation. And it's death. Optimism, especially when it runs out, it can blind us to God's work in the midst of the impossible to bring about something brand new. Because optimism, it rests on the shallow surface of what we see, feel, and experience. Hope, on the other hand, especially for us as Christians, takes us beyond the situation of the moment takes us beyond our optimism, or more importantly, the lack thereof. And it reminds us and engages God's favor in the hopeful meaning of the death and resurrection of Jesus to save you. How the gospel creates hope in your life is that it says no matter how dark it gets. I mean, is anybody else watching Dope Sick? No matter how dark it gets, I love the words of that mother. She's gone home to be with her Lord. She didn't get out of it. She died. But hope, Christian hope says that death does not have the final say. Jesus has, Jesus is, and Jesus will save you. Throughout life, we can and we will come up against things that there is very little to be optimistic about. And if it hasn't happened to you, it's going to. But it's here where God is at work. I mean, listen to Mary's great song, The Magnificat. This has carried the church through the darkest of seasons. It's not optimism at work. But hope, based on a promise that she and her cousin, or her, uh, cousin had heard and that all of Israel had heard. A promise that God would save them. And not only them, but the whole world. This is why into this impossible situation, Elizabeth and Mary can speak so confidently about blessing and favor. The Bible teaches, unlike the prosperity gospel nonsense, the Bible teaches God's blessing and favor go hand in hand with struggle and difficulty. Death and resurrection go together. Luther once said, where there is the gospel, there is also the cross. 
Notice in our reading, Elizabeth says to Mary, she says, blessed are you among women. And then to the child in utero, blessed is the fruit of your womb. Blessed. Think about it. Blessed, yet she bears a cross. The cross of being a virgin mother with a doubting fiancé and all the scandal that goes with it. I've often wondered if this isn't why she went to see Elizabeth, to get the eyes off of her. And the fruit of her womb, blessed is the fruit of her womb, Jesus is also blessed, but blessed to die. And through that death becomes the blessing for the whole world with forgiveness, reconciliation, and hope. The blessedness of a new start. My soul magnifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior for he has what? For he has looked with favor on the lowliness of his servant. And God, your Savior, has looked with favor upon your lowliness as well. And not with indifference, but with grace, with mercy. He has looked upon your situation and covered it in the blood of his Son. So we have a lot to be hopeful for. And this is my third point into the impossible situations of life. When the optimism levels are low, when optimism has left the room, Christian hope reminds us that blessing and favor and struggle oftentimes come together. Yet God is always in the midst of it. He's never abandoned you. And he's promised to never leave you or forsake you. And so what this means, Christian, is that you can turn over your impossible situations to God. You can turn over those impossible situations to God and give it to him and be hopeful because like Mary, blessed are you who believe that the word of God is fulfilled in you that by the promise you received in water at your baptism and in a moment in bread, the impossible wonder that the child that Mary carries, that impossible wonder in your impossible moments is God's son, Jesus, who is your Lord and has overcame sin and death to save you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to our sermon podcast, produced and recorded at the Parish of Calvary St. George's in the city of New York. If you feel led to support the continuing ministry of our parish, we would really appreciate it. You can make a one-time or recurring gift by going to calvarystgeorges.org slash give. Thank you for your support.